Hi, this is Steve Bowes, and you are listening to Radical Research, a new conversation in HCM research with host Madeline Lerano on the HR Happy Hour podcast network. This episode on the HR Happy Hour network is made possible by WorkHuman, helping businesses energize cultures, drive performance, and unite workforces by creating human moments that matter. Visit www.workhuman.com. And remember to subscribe to Radical Research and all the HR Happy Hour Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Radical Research on the HR Happy Hour show. My name is Madeline Lerano, and I am the founder of Aptitude Research, and I am your host here today. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Barb Hyman, who's the CEO and founder of Predictive Hire. I do a lot of work as an analyst, looking at different technology providers, looking at different startups in the market. And Predictive Hire is one of the companies that I have been most impressed with, not only this year, but throughout my career. So I'm thrilled to be here with Barb and thrilled to to share with you a little bit about the tremendous impact that Predictive Hire is having on talent acquisition and, and the candidate experience specifically. So welcome, Barb. I'm thrilled that you're here. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Great. I'm hoping that you can share a little bit about Predictive Hire and your join, your journey to starting this company. Well, so I'm probably the least likely person you'd expect to be running this team. Um, it's mostly data scientists and engineers, and I'm neither. Um, my background is HR. You know, I've sat in the seat that I think many of your listeners have of the pain and the cost and the frustration with how do you really fix hiring? And so for me, finding a a solution to really fix the broken hiring practices that I think still very much exist. Um, We work mainly in the space of low-skill recruitment, which I think is particularly subject to some challenges. Um, I think what's really not working in this space is candidate experience just pretty much sucks for anyone applying for a job that doesn't have a lot of skills. If you think about working in retail, in healthcare, in hospitality, you're normally applying for 25 jobs, probably more these days. Maybe you'll get a couple of interviews and hopefully you'll land a job. But, you know, as as anyone would know who's got teenage kids as I do, you have to apply for loads. It's a thankless task. It's a boring task and you get nothing back. You're ghosted most of the time. And that's what I'm really driven to change, but also to make sure that the way we do it is really fair and it includes everyone and everyone gets a fair go, which is a very Australian philosophy. Exactly. I mean, I think you bring up a couple really important points. Like one is the talent acquisition has so many broken processes and one of those being the candidate experience. And when you think about everything that we've been talking about, especially this year around automation, I know we've had a lot of these discussions. Automation is really something that we talk about in terms of the recruiter and the employer. What are the benefits to efficiency and moving things along quicker and freeing up time and and dealing with doing more with less? But there's so much that automation can do for the candidate experience. Are we broadly just thinking and talking about automation in the wrong way? Look, I I think we are. And I think it's a real risk, particularly for those businesses. And most of retail and hospitality are businesses that are consumer brands, you know, where the people that are applying for the job are the people that buy from your store. And so when you make it a really underwhelming experience for them and difficult for them, you know, you're actually impacting on your business. Um, You might lose them as customers. And there's been some really interesting research that Virgin did in the UK around 
the cost to the business of a poor candidate experience. And I think now, you know, business is looking to HR and saying, you know, how are you helping us, you know, attract great people and keep great people from a business perspective, let alone recruitment efficiency? Yeah, absolutely. And we did that that important research piece this year that that's going to be published soon around exactly that. You know, it's it's not just around efficiency. It's thinking about this experience, especially for, you know, hourly workers and, and individuals that are directly impacting the customer experience. What's Yeah, and I think the other thing is like when you think about, you know, obviously last year was so tough, right, and there are so many people looking for jobs and people need a job. And it just astounds me that we still think about recruitment as this sort of two or three week or maybe four week process. You know, if you apply for a loan now, Madeline, you'll get an answer probably by the end of our conversation. And that's a huge decision of risk for a business, you know, whether or not they're going to trust that you're a good bet. But yet when it comes to recruitment, you know, we don't even think about setting a benchmark of a 24 hour turnaround. And reality is people can't wait two days for a job. They've got to feed their family when you're thinking about these sorts of roles. So I think not only is it a fairly, you know, dehumanising process to sit through all these tests and fill out lots of forms and hear nothing back, but actually it fundamentally affects their economic well-being, the, the length of time it takes for people to get back. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes they don't receive any feedback at all. I mean, there's absolutely no response when when people are applying. It's, it's not human in any way. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think 99%, if you go and talk to candidates out in the street, I know you do a lot of research and you say, how many of you received something back that felt useful, not just an auto-reply that says, we'll let you know if we want to talk to you. Um, I'd say that 99% would say, we didn't hear anything back, you know, and it doesn't need to be that way. Right. And I think if you really put candidates first and you put your business first, you would you would really switch that around. One thing that's so interesting to me about what you do and the work you do, and I know it's it's important to you, is the live candidate feedback. I mean, you collect real feedback from candidates that are going through the process and you publish that that feedback in real time. And then you're coaching candidates too. So you have such a pulse on what candidates, you know, are thinking about and, and what that experience is is really boiling down to. So what, you know, what is it ultimately that candidates want? Is it this fairness? Is it is it consistency? I think it's all of that. I think they definitely want an answer. You know, they want an answer fast. Um, they want to feel heard. They want to express who they are and, you know, in their voice. I think one thing that has been so powerful that we've heard from, you know, the hundreds of thousands of candidates is, wow, I got to share my story of who I am in my words. You didn't force me to complete a questionnaire that kind of dumbed me down where I had to pick an option, you know, like multiple choice questions or SJT questionnaires. And, you know, it's really interesting when we first started in this space, a lot of our retail customers said, well, we just don't think that this group of people will respond. We don't think they're going to want to respond free text and have a chat. But actually, we've seen it a completely liberating, humanizing, empowering experience. Um, so that, that's been really rewarding. The other is they definitely want to learn. You know, if you think millennials, there's a million and one surveys which show that millennials crave feedback. And so we all knew that. But what has also really surprised us, because our candidates are, you know, age 14 in Australia, that's the minimum age to get a job and, you know, up to 80. Um, we have one customer who hires a lot of, you know, older people. And, um, you know, what, what they say is, I didn't know this about myself, you know, that people have never had feedback. They might have worked for years, but they've never had a conversation with their manager that's really helped them be a better worker. 
And so, you know, 85% of people say, wow, this has really increased my self-awareness. And so we, we kind of feel, to be honest, we sort of just have seen this product be actually it's so powerful for brand, powerful for the individual that we just had not expected how much people have a craving for and there's a deficit of understanding themselves. So that, that's been really inspiring for us. And, you know, for any customer, you get to see that live. And we also actually live stream it on our website because we're just sort of so blown away by it. By it. We wanted to, you know, share it with the world. Yeah, it give, I think that's a great point. It gives them a, a view of themselves that can help them for the next opportunity. You know, even if they don't get that job, it's a, it's, it's a gift. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and I think like one of the things we're looking at is how do we give this away and work with universities to give this to graduates, you know, because some people say, you've just nailed me, but I never had the words to express it like that. So you're, you're helping people really sell themselves, articulate their strengths, know their gaps. And so that's going to help them in their next interview. It's going to help them in the workplace. It's going to help them in their relationships. So, you know, that's the power really of the science that sits under the hood. You know, it's not a simple chatbot that just answers basic questions that can be pre-programmed. It's it's a smart, intelligent system that really understands who you are from the, you know, the five or so questions that you respond to. And one of the, you know, the things we've talked a lot about this, Barb, is inclusivity. And I know it's a big focus for you, and I know you've you've seen this a lot with the candidate experience, is we talk about inclusivity just in terms of, you know, gender and race for the most part, but we don't really think about it in terms of individuals with disabilities or neurodiversity or all these other definitions of, of what inclusivity should, should be thinking about and should be including. And I know that you've seen a lot of the impact on those candidates and, and what they've gone through just to be able to use intelligent chat and to be able to have a human experience where they might not be comfortable in front of video. Yeah, look, I, I think that, you know, it's it's hopefully standard now and certainly demanded by buyers that you ask for your bias testing, you know, when you're using AI tools, that's, that's kind of table stakes from a risk perspective. But mostly it's focused on gender and race, which we've always looked at from a bias um, governance perspective. But what we've done is gone further than that. We, 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 you know, we really want to push the boundaries of what does inclusiveness look like? And it's bigger than race and gender. It's people with different socioeconomic backgrounds. It's different ages. You know, ageism is a huge issue in recruitment. Um, it's also obviously people who represent us um, with Asperger's or with autism, et cetera. And so we did really deep research to test whether or not at a candidate level, do they feel comfortable with this? Is it biased in any way? Are you equally likely to be recommended for a role, whether you come from any of those backgrounds? And that testing, which we share really openly, um, shows that it, it does meet the needs of a very broad group of people. And so we encourage others in this space to really test continuously on a much broader group than just those who are you know, different, different races and different genders. And, you know, the other thing that's come through, which has been really interesting, is, um, you know, we don't know people when they when they go through this. We don't know anything about them in terms of their race or gender or their socioeconomic background. Like, it's a truly blind screening tool, which makes it so powerful. But we get feedback from people who say, look, you know, I've got a stutter and this is so much safer and more comfortable for me because I'm so nervous about speaking on camera. Um, or, you know, I'm someone that... Um, has autism and, you know, I don't feel comfortable again in a video format. So 
you know, I think for, for us or for me personally, it's always been core to what we do, which is we can't just solve a problem for the customer. We actually have to really make it work for the candidate. And giving feedback is one thing, but the other is that it works for every candidate. So I think inclusivity is, is so core to trust. And if there's one thing that's become a really big currency now for HR, it's trust. How do you build trust in how you do things, in your technology, in your decisions? And so I think, you know, the choice of technology and how inclusive it is can go a long way to, to growing trust amongst your people. Yeah, it's so important. And we don't talk about trust enough, you know, especially around the conversation around AI. You know, it's, I think it's hard to talk about anything talent acquisition related today without talking about AI. And you bring up such an important point because you have to have trust in those providers that you're using too. And, you know, ethical AI is a conversation I think that's starting to happen more and more. Um, but being able to really think about that transparency, thinking about having a trusted provider um, is so important. Do you think companies are thinking about this enough as they look at TA technology, or do you think this is just starting to happen? Uh, look, I think it's, I think we're really early, but I think we've got to move really fast because, you know, there is so much development and innovation, which is exciting on one level for HR. You know, when I was in the CHRO position five years ago, I don't think I got an email about an AI product. Like, it just didn't exist. And now they're everywhere and everyone's burdened by that sort of noise, but you have to differentiate between what's technology that you can trust and what isn't. And that means HR educating themselves because reality is, as we know, regulation is a long way behind um, technology. And so to manage risk, to make sure that you're enhancing trust through those decisions, you've got to self-regulate and self-assess. And I think, you know, AI has incredible power um, for organisations and when you think of particularly the ones we work with, the amount of hours that they save, the money and costs and time they give back to the business, the change in shape of people that you hire because of it being inclusive, um, you know, that's a great set of rewards but with great power comes great responsibility as Superman or no, I think it was Spider-Man once then. Um, and so, you know, how does HR level up and make sure that they're asking the right questions and we think that's both diving really deeply into the product um, and looking at it from a multiple set of angles, but also looking at the company. Um, you know, people are really worried as they should be about if I just buy technology from an organization that's all white men, does that create risk for me? Is there something that could go wrong? Is there a risk of bias being amplified? And so looking at the diversity of the team, looking at how they protect data, because you know the data that you capture is really the crown jewels in terms of how it needs to be treated looking at transparency, like are they sharing their, their tech manual? Are they sharing their bias reporting? You know, these are all really important questions to ask. So I think there's a real level of due diligence that we would love to see all um, buyers, you know, engage with and obviously all vendors really be more transparent about, about how their technology works. Absolutely. It's interesting because I've, I've seen more and more TA leaders, including in their RFPs, questions on diversity specific to the vendors and what their their team looks like. And there are so many AI providers out there that are just founded by men, run by men, have a board of men, and many of them white men. But it really says something when you're building an AI tool that should be looking to reduce bias in some way. And how can how does that factor in? And I think as we start to see more and more RFPs with these questions, it's, it's really important for providers to, to look 
internally and, and see what, you know, what they're building and why they're building. Yeah. And, you know, like Madeline, this is so topical. Like I'm sure, you know, the movie, the social dilemma. Yeah. Have you seen yeah. that? Right. So yeah. It's, it's probably not a coincidence that most of the, let's call them the protagonists, uh, white men, white men, you know, between, between a certain age. And, like, we don't want that to happen, right? Already we can see the dysfunction that comes from not thinking about the consequences of using technology downstream, and it's kind of almost too late now. So we have a responsibility as a, as a, as a player in this market to help, you know, the, the, the whole HR sector really understand this and make the right decisions so we don't end up with something like that. And it's so easy to amplify bias with AI that you have to, you have to avoid that happening right from the get-go. So, you know, my my hope is that over the next 12 months we see just, you know, every RFP asking that information, every RFP saying, show me your bias testing, you know, how broad is it? Um, it doesn't meet the EOC requirements. Does it go beyond that? Um, show me your tech manual. H- help me understand that this is not pseudoscience. You know, this is real science. Do you publish your research? So, you know, HR used to be a place where you go when you want to help people. But actually, I think more and more you have to be a technologist now to be an HR and you have to be, you know, someone who really understands the sort of the analytics, the science that underpins what you're using because that's your legal responsibility but kind of also your moral responsibility. Yeah, and it's and the more it happens, the more it will be comfortable. You know, it's it, I think these are appropriate questions to ask and I think a lot of, TA leaders and HR professionals don't realize that they're either appropriate to ask or that they should be asking them. So the more we talk about this and the more we put it into practice, you know, the more it will continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. So there's, you know, I think a lot of these topics that we're talking about in terms of automation and more empathy around the candidate experience and Everything that's been just happening this year has accelerated, I think, a lot of of this demand for solutions like predictive hire. Where do you think we go from here as we look to next year and post-pandemic world when when and if we get there? You know, do these trends continue? Do companies still think about the candidates with with some compassion, with some empathy and look at, at automation to be able to enable that? Well, I think if you're a consumer brand, you, you have to. I think the businesses are starting to put pressure on HR to say, what are you doing to support the business beyond just solving for efficiency? So I think, you know, if you think about Nike and all of those brands as well that put out great rhetoric around Black Lives Matter, I think the other thing that we're going to start to see is real structural solutions are needed to interrupt bias because we know that no amount of training uh, in unconscious bias awareness is going to remove that bias because most of it's unconscious and you know that was validated by the UK late last year when the UK government defunded all unconscious bias training in the civil service because their research showed it made no difference to mindsets so you need something to interrupt what humans are doing um, at the top of the funnel to give you the best shot of diversity in your shortlist And, um, you know, I don't want to sort of call out any names, but one of the organisations in the US that we all admire for what it does in HR, I noticed they recently put out their first report around inclusion. And it looks to me like what they're doing is investing in training, um, make their 200 recruiters aware of how to detect bias and how to minimise bias. But, you know, any research you read shows you that, that there's 150 or so types of bias. Most of it is unconscious. So, it's impossible, but despite our best intent, 
to check ourselves around that bias. So I, I think there'll be a lot of demand for real structural solutions and AI is one of those to interrupt bias. I think that'll be a big trend in 2021. Yeah, I hope so. And I think more than training, we have to do more than training. Um, that's just been been the go-to for years and it's not enough. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so I'm, I'm excited because I feel like last year, you know, disrupted one of those old-fashioned biases we've got, which is that I need to see you to know that you're doing the work because suddenly we're all just distributed and you don't get to see each other. And most people that I speak to at least say productivity increased, you know, albeit at a bit of a personal cost. Um, and I hope that we'll start to dismantle that otherwise, which is that I need to see you to hire you. You know, why do I need to look at you to know whether or not you'll be a great fit? Why can't I have a conversation with you? And, you know, there are some businesses out there like Atomatic and Zapier that have relied for years on just, you know, chat-based assessment and hiring. They don't do any visuals. And it's so interesting to me how as humans we're so, you know, programmed to want to have to look at someone to get to know them. Um, and I hope that that that, that boundary of, you know, um, bias uh, will also be challenged in the coming year. I hope so too. I think this is great, Barb. Um, as you kind of think about your plans for, for the next year, and I know, you know, you have a lot and, and publish a lot at Predictive Hire, what, what's uh, kind of top of mind for you? What, what are you thinking about for the next year? Um, and where can companies find you? Uh, so, so come to our site, predictivehire.com, and um, try it out. I mean, I think one thing we do is let people sit in the candidate experience really easily and see for yourself what the science is like and what the experience is like. Um, but for us, it's really to keep pushing the boundaries around fairness and the testing that we're doing. Um, you know, anytime we see any hint of the experience not working for a group is that we'll, we'll dive into that and really understand that and look to fix it. So, you know, we want to make this the most inclusive, fairest way to apply for a job in the universe. Um, that's our ambition. Um, so, yeah, come to our site and try it out. We'd love to get to know you. And um, I think the other thing I'd say is apply for a job yourself in your organisation because you'd be amazed at what it's like and I think that's the best way to really kind of get the aha of, wow, you know, is this, is this a great experience? Is this enriching? Is this amplifying your brand or could we do better? So I'd love everyone to make that commitment to apply for a job using your own process and see for yourself what that's like. Yeah, especially now in this remote world, go through the process, see what, see what that experience yeah. is like. Yeah. It's great advice. Thank you so much, Barb. Thanks for joining me. Thank you everyone for listening. And if anyone's interested in, in this research that we did on, on these very topics we're talking about now, we will certainly send it out and, and can provide it to anyone. You can, you can go to the Predictive Hire site, you can go to the Aptitude site, and we'd love to share more. So thank you all so much. And thank you for joining us at Radical Research.